Life Audio. Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. Our goal on the podcast is to give you simple and actionable ideas and information that can help your homeschool family thrive. And I think that today's show could really be revolutionary to the way you approach education. So I'm excited to dive in. Last week, David joined me here to talk about a major hindrance to successful home education. And this week, we're going to take that conversation a little farther as we discuss strategies and mindset shifts that can help you easily overcome that hindrance. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Hey, David, welcome back. I'm so glad that you're joining me another week in a row on the podcast. This is super exciting. It's good to be here. I enjoy this. Well, those of you who uh, are not sitting in our house right now, it is a lot like pulling teeth to get us to have a time together to actually be able to record. So when I say that I'm glad to have him on the podcast, I am very, very sincere because not only do I enjoy talking to you, baby, but he has a tremendous amount of insight and just the little things that he throws in are so, so helpful. And so part of the reason that we started the podcast in the first place was to be able to share some of these conversations with all of you. So it really, truly is a joy when you're on. So it's kind of like a living room discussion. Kind of, yeah. kind of like that. So that's that's what they're joining us. Exactly. They, have, they, they have walked into our house and they are sitting on our sofa. That would be awesome, actually. It would be. I would love it. Yeah. But today I want to actually dive deeper into the conversation that we started last week about this major hindrance. And, and we kind of set up this hindrance and then we went into the fact that it's de-schooling. Or the hindrance itself is actually your mindset about education and de-schooling is a great tool. And that tool is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to, we're, we're going to really dive into this idea of de-schooling. And, you know, we, I initially mentioned de-schooling in the Heart School book when I was talking about relationships and I, I kind of tied this idea of de-schooling to strengthening your relationships. And I really just kind of hit and run on it. But the, the feedback and the reaction to that little section of the book really kind of caused both of us, I think, to step back a little bit and think that this needed a little bit more of a working out, a little bit more practical approach to it than kind of the hit and run that I gave in the heart school book. reason why we talk about it as de-schooling, or you, you talk about it as de-schooling, is because when when parents imagine, okay, I am going to start homeschooling, the first image they get is of a classroom. They're going to bring a classroom home. And they're going to do what the teacher is doing in the classroom. And what you're talking about here is you're trying to break that stuff down because that doesn't really work at home in the same way. I mean, you could set up desk if you want, you can do a Pledge of Allegiance if you want. You can do all these things if you want that you typically you would do at school. But that's not I don't think that's necessarily what you are attacking. There is this idea of how school needs to run that you were talking about. And when you bring your children home, you don't necessarily have exactly the same goals as what a teacher might have standing in front of a classroom. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't think that for a lot of people, they have this conscious 
image of bringing school home. I really, I, we throw that around and I, it's a reality, but I don't think it's a conscious thing. I, I think that it's an underlying thing. It's like intrinsic. This is what we think of as school, but we don't really approach it as I'm going to create school at home. I don't think most people actually approach it that way, but practically speaking, we, so many of us, maybe even all of us end up doing that. And that's why this time of, of de-schooling, as I mentioned in the book, is so, so important. And, and I wanted to dive in just before that we are before we dive in and start really talking about this. I want to encourage all of you all to go check out the book because in heart school, you're going to be challenged to understand that homeschooling for the heart of your children really is a lifestyle choice that goes well beyond a mere academic or educational decision. This approach to education and fitting it into your family actually strengthens your family. It increases your confidence. It brings peace to your days. It does so many awesome things. And you know, we we work all of that out in the Heart School book. So I go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash book. We've got it available right now for $5 as a digital immediate download. There's an audio book as well that you can get. And then, uh, Lord willing, by the time the conferences come around, we'll even have those copies in print. Print is a little slower right now. But I, I cannot encourage you strongly enough to get that book because I really do believe that it will be uh, really paradigm shifting for you as how you approach education. And this, what we're talking about today fits so beautifully up under that, that I just wanted to take a second and, and just encourage you to go check that out. Teachthemdiligently.net forward slash book. I think you can also get to it from the front page of our website if you just kind of scroll down a little bit. But that's what I encourage you to go pick that up. So the dynamic that you're talking about here, where you don't even realize that you may be doing this, hey, I'm bringing school home thing. Mm hmm also means that you don't even realize the impact right. that it's having on when you're doing this. Right. But a lot of, I mean, we, and we have a lot, take us for instance, in our church, we have a lot of brand new homeschoolers in our church that we run into and we'll just be talking to them, just having a normal conversation. And they'll talk about some of their struggles that they're having. And I immediately start thinking, well, it's because they're trying to bring school home and they don't even realize they're doing right. it. Right. Well, and yeah, that's another thing I talk about in the book. We can say all the right things. And then when push comes to shove, we revert to what has been instilled and ingrained in us. And and that's why de-schooling is so important because de-schooling really is simply put just a changing of our mindset and our habits from looking at school as an institution to seeing education and learning as a way of life. And I have found that it is, though it is often thought as for the students, like helping them transition out of school or whatever, I think de-schooling is way more important for the parents because as parents, for most of us, like the, the vast majority of us, we were institutionally educated our entire life. And so that is deeply ingrained in us in ways that we don't even recognize. And so we have got to this time of de-schooling is life giving for parents as we're making this transition as much as it is for our kids. Yeah. Hey, I mean, just going back to a conversation that we had just recently, we were talking to this mom and she was talking about a particular subject as if she needed to learn the stuff first and she needed to actually have it all in place in her own head and then she could teach it to her kids. In which that's kind of the institutional school thought process 
it's okay for the parent to actually learn with the kids. Matter of fact, it probably is more exciting. And I remember you talking about, for instance, going through history, you were learning the material at the same time as the kids were learning it. And so then you would get excited about it and you would transfer that excitement to the kids and the kids would enjoy it. It was like you were all growing together. And it actually provided a really powerful element that you're, you can't recreate that in an institutional school. Exactly. And I'm going to need to hold you back from stealing okay. my thunder All on right. some of the points that we're going to talk about right. here in a minute. Just so in tune. Just so in tune. So I'll just take a drink <laughs> of coffee and let you go. All right. De-schooling. And we mentioned this a little bit last week, but de-schooling is a term that was coined in a 1971 book called De-schooling Society by Ivan Illich, in which he argued that schooling and education are not necessarily synonymous. And he's got a whole book. It's fascinating. He was very critical of the status quo educational system because it, in his opinion, really repressed learning because it was designed for a certain output, which, you know, at when in our country, when uh, institutionalized education really became a big deal, they were wanting to create factory workers, uh, you know, assembly line people. Now it seems like we've morphed to good citizens, and that's actually a little bit more horrifying even than the factory workers. But it was never designed by like the way that it's set up to create learners, to create people who are just really, really excited about what they are learning and how they're growing. And again, that is so, so deeply ingrained in our psyche that this de-schooling concept is a really big deal for making that transition out. And, and uh, he was talking about this in 71, which is 50 years ago. Wow, well, don't, no, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a little close to home. Hey, I'm, I'm um, there too, darling. So, so yeah. And, you know, and he wasn't talking about homeschooling at the time. And so, and, and, but through the years, Deschooling has really kind of become synonymous with the homeschool movement because we are the ones that really put it into practice. You're not seeing an awful lot of deschooling happening in any kind of institution from charter school, private schools, whatever. They're still kind of functioning in the same exact way. Different, different outputs sometimes, you know, different strategies depending on the type of school, but really deschooling has become a primarily homeschool concept. And so in our conversation today, I really want you to think of de-schooling more as basic training for home education. And, and this is both for yourself as the parent and for the homeschool student, because this is a time where I want you to start to focus on the most essential things and then start to align everything in your life and in your family according to the mission that you want to accomplish through homeschooling. You know, getting down to the basics. I, I, as I was thinking about this, you know, that that idea of basic training, you know, there there is a a change that's involved. The young people go to basic training when they enlist and they come out different. They come out, you know, depending on, you know, what they're training for, they get a different mindset about things. And so in our basic training, it's a great time to change our mindset and, and to really start to line everything up with the mission that God has given you, which as a heart schooler is to disciple your children and to introduce them to God and the wonders of his creation while you're also preparing them well to walk through whatever doors he opens for him in the days ahead. 
And as you all know, our contention is that if you are a Christian parent, you are called to be a heart schooler. That should be your mission, period. So your mission is to bring them to Jesus Christ, which you're, what you're saying is, is that the school, whatever that institutional school is, it's going to have one particular set of goals that it is trying to meet. And it is set up. Everything that that school does is set up to meet that particular goal. And when you bring your children home, you probably have a completely different set of goals and what you're trying to do with your children. And so therefore, you have to go through some level of de-schooling and what you're doing because you're just changing the mission of what you're doing. You're not carrying forward what the school is doing and then saying, okay, we're now going to do this at home. You're changing the mission. And so you're changing this from the ground up. So there has to be some level of we need to reorient the way we're doing this. And that's kind of the way you're defining de-schooling in this way is that it's like a reorientation of what is our purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, I want to talk about specifically how we do this. I think that we've set the stage for why. Now let's start looking at how. All right. So before the break, we were talking about the need to refocus, change our mindset about education to really start aligning things up with our mission as a family. And so now I want us to shift over and start looking at how we actually do this. If this is basic training, we got to first of all, figure out what the basics are. And honestly, I think that it's imperative that you de-school in order to do that because there is so much noise to wade through. There's so much pressure on what we feel like are the expectations of other people that we really need that time of de-schooling, of change, of transition to understand and boil down to what are the basics and what is our mission and, and how do we do that? So the first thing that you're going to start doing is give yourself time during this. Uh, this time of de-schooling is going to be kind of a kinder, gentler time of school. And it can last. I, I'm actually convinced that de-schooling could be the way you school for the rest of your life. I don't actually view this as by necessity a transition time because this is going to lead you, you're going to keep going deeper and deeper. So uh, the the habits that you start here and the the things that you start implementing during this time of de-schooling, I think you're going to find a lot of them are just going to hold, which makes it really awesome. And it's one of the great things about home education. But the first thing, as you're starting this kinder, gentler time, you need to start asking yourself, what's important to your family? You know, if you boil it all down to basics, what is important? And then kind of a follow-up to that is how does what's important impact the rhythm of your day? You know, for a lot of people, when they bring their children home, one of the big things that they really want to do is strengthen the relationships within their family. That is a really, really big deal. So that becomes one thing that's very important to their family. Well, how does that impact the rhythm of your day? Well, let's say that dad works you know, a job that where he is, he's home at a certain time of day, gone during a certain time of the day, and it may be kind of flipped from what is normal. Maybe he's swing shift or, uh, you know, he's home in the mornings and gone in the evenings or something like that. You're probably going to want to set your homeschool time up to to give the kids time to really enjoy their dad when he's there and he's available. And you have the flexibility to do that, even though that does not fit in an institutional mindset whatsoever. 
So you could do schooling at night. Yeah, that worked for your family. That with little kids, that's going to be real hard. <laughs> but but you are able to shift things around, and you're able to again. I throw that out as 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 an example because that combines what's important, building those relationships, with how it impacts the rhythm of your day. So it's a very practical way to look at it. There are other things, you know, what may be important to your family is is actually getting your kids involved in serving in different ministries. Well, then you order your days to allow you all to do that while still getting in the things that are that are important academically and whatever. So those two questions tie together really, really well, and they impact all different families in a myriad of different ways. So there's a level of this where you're basically giving yourself permission to change your day up to fit what your priorities or the rhythm of your day may look like. Exactly. And so it doesn't have to look like an institutional school. It doesn't have to be eight to three. It could be, I don't know. I mean, it could be 12 to seven. It could be, I, I don't it know. It could be a four day week. It, it could, could be weekend school. You can really truly do, do it however it fits in for your family and it suits those priorities, that mission that you have. But it also, not only does it not have to look like an institutional school, it doesn't have to look like anybody else's school either. Fielded a question at a Q&A that we, I did with Heidi St. John at our event in Greenville a couple of weeks ago. And the mom was talking about how distressed, discouraged, concerned. I don't, I can't remember exactly the word, but she was teaching her children who were done by like noon and a neighbor down the street whose children were the same age, school all the way until three o'clock. They're the same age, but they're approaching their education very, very differently. And they are, one is really focusing in on priorities for her family and the way that that, that fits. And there, she's also adopted a, a more of a Charlotte Mason experiential learning approach, whereas this other mom is doing video classes all day long. Those are going to take a lot longer time. And they're, you know, I, I haven't talked to that mom. That may fit their mission beautifully. But those are two very different approaches to home education. And we cannot allow our what we deem important to our family to be contingent on what we see somebody else doing. So what are the priorities that you have? You, you start off with my priority is to bring my children to Jesus Christ. My priority is, as you and I were talking earlier, what I want for my kids. And I'm talking, you know, as David Nunnery here, what I want for our kids is that I want them to be like Joseph, Daniel, David. I want them to stand out in a group and somebody looks at them and says, I trust them with my stuff, that I want them to lead whatever I want to give them something to do for me because I know that it's going to turn out okay. That's what I want. I want them to stand out in that way. And so therefore, when they go in and they get a job, they are going, they get a job just doing whatever. They go in on a very, very entry level. They move up through the ranks really fast because the management, they stand out. And that's what I want. That's what my goal is for our kids. So that's more important to you than necessarily... Valedictorian. They have to get straight A's on every single thing. It's more important for me, for our kids, that they have the same presence in a group of people that would stand out. 
Daniel stood out. Darius comes into Babylon. He takes it over. He has all these ad, uh, these advisors. He looks at Daniel, even though Daniel's 80 years old, but he looks at Daniel and he says, this guy has an excellent spirit. I want him to be second in command in my entire kingdom. And it's like an immediate thing. This is the guy that I want running stuff. And that's what I want my kids to be. I want them to stand out. You know, Saul saw David from a long ways off and goes, who is that guy? And you had the same thing with Joseph. Joseph goes into Potiphar's house. He's running it. He goes into prison. He ends up running the prison. He goes into Pharaoh's uh, court. He ends up, you know, is second in command. And that's what I would want for my kids is that, Whoever they work for, whatever situation that they're in, whether it's an internship at church, whether it's working at a Starbucks, whether it's doing volunteering somewhere like a Miracle Hill or something like that, I want them to be where the leadership goes. That person's different. I want to trust them with stuff. So the way that that impacted in this discussion is that what was important to our family then directed the rhythm of our days and the way that we approached education because we made sure that they had a lot of opportunities that were unique. We gave them, we had high expectations on them, not necessarily to be the best or have the best GPA on the blog that we wanted them to do their best in school. But that wasn't the benchmark that we were going after. We were going after character. We were going after work ethic. We were going after a polish that allowed them to engage with people up and down the age and socioeconomic scale without missing a beat. And so we were able to expose them to an awful lot of things that God used to really create young men and women that by his grace, really do seem to stand out in the crowd. And we're really, really grateful for that. So as you look at what's important to you and how that impacts your days, then you need to figure out with our going back to what we were talking about with basic training, you need to figure out what you need to exercise or work on to get a little bit more strength in the areas in which you may be weak. Because when when people go into basic training, they always come out a little buffer, a little stronger able to run a little bit farther. And that's what we want to do through this time of de-schooling, this basic training of, of homeschooling. For many families, the area that they're weak in is they don't really feel like they know their kids very well. And they they have a desire to know them better. And this is a great time to do that. You're going to be able to have conversations and discussions and things in ways that you've never done before because you didn't have the time. And you're going to find that that you're able to know your children on a level that you never even dreamed was possible. So you wouldn't have even prayed toward that end because you didn't even imagine it. So that is one of the things that that a lot of families need to exercise. Sometimes it's overcoming trauma that they've had in school or uh, their perception of themselves maybe as being dumb or behind. You know, we're able to to help them learn new ways to start to learn things that may ignite in them an excitement about what they're learning and help them understand they are neither dumb nor behind. They just hadn't figured out how they learn yet. And that's a whole different conversation. Maybe there's even some insecurity that they've picked up and you're going to want to help them understand how wonderfully and and amazingly they were created just as the individual that they are and how much they are loved by you and by the God who is their creator. This is a great time to just get to know one another on such a deeper level and kind of overcome some of that stuff that may be baggage within your kids that you want to overcome there. Uh, This is also a time when you're able to start to learn together. 
which David alluded to earlier, but it's so much more natural and so much more fun. And most of the time, it doesn't even feel like you're learning. So it's a very deceptive thing. And that's, you know, I heard somebody, I was listening to a podcast on a walk earlier this week, and somebody referred to how chalk and talk had failed so many kids. I was like, I'd never heard it that way. But as we're talking about de-schooling, for our mindsets, for so many of us, it's chalk and talk. It's lecture at a whiteboard or a chalkboard and just kind of write all this stuff up. Whereas when you're learning together, it looks like reading aloud. It looks like having field trips together. It looks like adventuring. It looks like conversations about whatever actually excites your child and then going deeper to find out more about it. So Googling or going to the library and getting books. And now all of a sudden, they're starting to discover information in a way that really excites them about stuff that interests them, where they feel like they have some control over it. And boom, you've started to ignite that love of learning that we're all so eager to instill. This all happens really organically during this time of de-schooling. So you're starting to focus more on functioning as a family and not simply bringing that institution at home. And you'll find that through this time of de-schooling, it starts to, to really kind of scrape away at all those years of institutionalization that we all had and that us, like I noted earlier, that we as parents tend to bring in. And, and not even realize. And don't even have a clue. Yeah. So my encouragement for you or our encouragement for you during this time is that you will take this as a time to change your mindset, which David noted very early in the podcast. This is a time to change your mindset and you're going to find that that relieves an awful lot of pressure. And David, I wanted to talk for just a couple of minutes that we have left about what that looks like. And we always, always, always start, and we've alluded to this already, but it has to be the foundation and that is to remember your mission yeah, and then to let your mission be your guide. So I think that getting back to what you were saying earlier about you don't even realize that this is a problem for you, but there, but it is because so many families, so many moms and dads, but we see this most often because the mom is kind of leading the charge on this is, okay, I want to homeschool. Okay. What, what curriculum am I going to get? What curriculum should I buy? And that's the first thought that they have. They don't start with what is my mission? Right. Well, de-schooling causes you to go, okay, what is my mission? And then you build your school based off of your mission and you start getting into routine and what I want to achieve. Exactly. Everything you've gone through. And, but you don't even realize how big of a deal that is. And again, we could talk to moms and we say this to them every single day. Look, you need to start with mission. And they go, okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. What curriculum should I buy? (laughs) And you're like, no, 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 no. And so this is such a powerful like current. You don't even realize how powerful it really is. Until you start getting yourself into trouble and then you start thinking, man, it's it's me. It's me. I just can't teach my kids. I'm not smart enough. I can't do it. Blah, blah. You go start going through all that or you say, oh, I'm running it. I got to get a new curriculum. Well, really, the problem is, is that you need to go through de-schooling and you need to start with your mission and then build out from there. And allow that mission to inform the decisions that you make. You know, and kind of doubling back really quickly, we talked already about figuring out what's important to your family. And it's amazing as we are just kind of swept away by the busyness and the current of our lives and our culture, 
how few people stop to think, what's really important here? What is my vision? It's like we don't even stop and put a stake in that. And it is so critical for you to be successful as a family and as a homeschooler that you know what you're shooting at because you you can't tell if you ever hit it if you don't really know what you're shooting at. So remembering your mission is critically important. Then I want to encourage you during this time, and again, I think this is gonna just kind of play over, overflow into the rest of your time, start stacking conditions for your success. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say that some of the things that are important to your family are eating together, having meals together, and but you also want to make sure that you have a a Bible time, a, a devotions time, that sort of thing. Well, stack those conditions. In our family, that looked like in the morning, David and I would get up and have our devotions. And then when the kids would gather and we'd have breakfast, we, if, if David was around, he would join the conversation. Most often it was just me, but I would share what God was teaching me. Then they would start to, we'd have these great conversations. So we're stacking that devotion time. We've started our day by looking at God's word and discussing that as well as coming together as a meal, kind of starting our day together in that way. So we stacked it. For some people, they want more read-alouds, but they also want to, to get to know their kids better. And these are two stacking things that work beautifully because as you are reading aloud, you are you also, it always, always, always opens the door for amazing discussions that give you such great insight into the heart and personality of your kids and what they like. What are they keying on? What, you know, what really stands out to them? So you're, the things that you want to prioritize, those things that are important to your family, you start combining with other things that you do anyway. You're always going to eat. So what do you, what do you stack with that? So that you can really maximize your time and your effectiveness. And that's giving you small wins all along the way. The Wall Street Journal actually had an article about the power, the value of small wins. And all of those little small wins go a long way to changing your perspective of how you're doing as a homeschool teacher. So number one was remember your mission to stack conditions for your success. Number three for implementing all of this is you need to decide what's essential and what's an accessory for your family. And here's what I mean by that. The essentials are things that no matter what comes your way, whether it be busyness or tragedy or you know sickness or whatever it is, these are the things that are essential. You, those are missional. They stay. The accessories are things that are nice to have. They, they make things super fun, but if push comes to shove, they can be removed. And that's going to look different, you know, in some ways for every family. But if you don't distinguish between what's essential and what's an accessory and everything's on the same line, you are always going to be frustrated. And you're always going to feel like, you know, the blind leading the blind because nothing's going to have an elevated importance there. So you're trying to chase all this different stuff. Exactly. And so what ends up happening is you get nowhere. You get exactly. And you have this feeling of failure all the time. So you you can only have one. You can only have one master. You can only have one top priority. But to that, age, actually, you can break that down to every moment of the day. You can only chase one thing at a time. So you have to make a decision on if you are forced into choosing between which, what are you going to go after? Because you can only do one. Right. I mean, for us, we always prioritize going to church. 
So when we got to Wednesday, it was church. I mean, we would go to church and that was a priority. That was a major priority. We always prioritize eating meals together. That was a major priority for us. We would, you know, we would try to do some level of Bible study. That was always a major priority. There was always this element of sharing, you know. So, I mean, we we would go into all this kind of stuff that was, this is what we prioritize. And that helps illuminate what are the things that are this are essentials. And what are the things that are super nice? They're fun. I enjoy them. The kids love them. But if push comes to shove, those are the things that the kids knew got the axe and we could easily give the axe because we had already determined what was accessory and what was essential. The next thing, number four, is to start looking at progress rather than focusing on the setbacks. We are our own worst enemies in this. We are so laser focused on our failures and on the things that don't go the way that we want to, that we miss the progress. We miss the steps that we've taken to improve our relationships. We miss the conversations that were just life-giving and enjoyable and created memories. We miss those progress points that are so encouraging to our heart and so valuable because we laser focus on our setbacks or what we deem our failures. In the Heart School book, I talk about adopting an entirely new set of benchmarks because I am convinced that part of the way that we have been trained to look at things, especially regarding education, is not conducive to a heart schooling family. We need to blow that all up, set a new set of benchmarks so that we can see what kind of progress we're making towards those because the walk that we are walking with our family, that mission that we have is very different than that of a public school or any other institution. It sounds like that we are teaching our kids how to live as Christ followers, not necessarily just trying to fill them with a bunch of knowledge, right. the finer points of algebra and calculus, which I'm not saying is not important because they need that in a lot of cases in order to function. They need to know how to think. They need to have math skills. They need to have, but your goal is to teach them how to live as a Christ follower. Right, right. Which sounds like it wouldn't make as big of a difference as what it actually does in the way you operate your day. Which actually goes straight into the next point beautifully. And that is you need to start creating your days rather than acting like everything is an accident. Um, Map out according to your mission where you want to go. And you'll find that that serves as like an internal GPS to guide you as you make your decisions. My days or my the priorities of every single one of my days had to do more with the child who was on my heart or sharing a truth that I had learned and I wanted to pass on than it ever did with a specific math lesson or with a timeline that a curriculum company gave me for getting through their book. It was always within my mission to accomplish my day that way. So I was, because I had taken the time to look at what was important, to remember my mission, to allow that to direct me, then when 
push came to shove, I was able to direct my days naturally or allow that to direct my days, be that internal GPS to direct me through the decisions day in and day out to keep me on mission rather than to follow all of these other things that, as you noted before, you can't go after that many different things. And then the final thing, we're, we're getting really low on time. In fact, we're over time. But the final thing that I want to share with you is during this time, really invest in your relationships. And this is kind of where we started because this is how de-schooling actually fits into the Heart School book and the Heart School paradigm is you'll find that this new approach really opens the door to deeper, more meaningful relationships with your kids than you ever deemed possible. So take the time to invest in those. Allow all of the tools and the time that home education provides to give you the opportunity to truly invest in those relationships that are so paramount. We started homeschooling back when our oldest, or we started praying about it when our oldest was in third grade, God started impressing on our hearts, not because he was in a bad school or we questioned his education or we questioned the teachers or anything like that, but it came down to the fact that we recognized that our time with our children was really short and there was an expectation from our creator and the one who designed our family that we spend that time intentionally building relationships, getting that platform that a relationship provides so that we can build on that and disciple them and shepherd their hearts and prepare them for whatever opportunities God has for them in the days ahead. And investing in the relationships as you are de-schooling, allowing all of these things, your mission, the, your priorities, the things that are essential, allow those things to direct your step and not some preconceived notion of what school actually should look like. It will be a game changer for you. I promise. That's good. <laughs> He's just looking at me and smiling. So I guess that's a good place to leave it. No, I, I think that's great. I, I um, honestly, I don't want to add to we're already over time. So we're going to save anything additional for the next episode. Ah, I see. Well, thank so that's you. a that's what we call a soap opera sequence. Uh so. Thank you guys for joining us today. I, I hope this has been encouraging and helpful for you. I cannot overstate the value of this time of de-schooling. And if you're already a homeschooler, if you've been doing it for a while, don't think that you can't do it again. Go through this de-schooling process. Take the time to wash the slate clean of all of the things that you're holding on to and allow yourself to start directing your days, start directing the way that your family is operating based on the mission that God has given you and the priorities that you have. So uh, I leave you with that. I hope that you will take some time this week, talk to your spouse, maybe go out on a date and have some conversations about this. Uh, but get down to basics and take your family through the basic training of homeschooling, de-school a little while. I'd love to hear your stories about it. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more, so check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, You'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more.